On this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, we talked to David Reisner, the longtime head professional at Ridgewood Country Club in Paramus, New Jersey. Um, it's um, interesting. David um, has been the head professional at Ridgewood for, gosh, I think around 20 years, and he's only in his early 40s, I think 43. Um, really an interesting story. He sort of got a summer internship there uh, while he was in the um, uh, golf management program at Penn State and um, uh, never left. Um, went there after finishing his coursework at Penn State and at a very young age became head professional. And uh, we've spoken to a lot of uh, folks at, uh, who are head professionals at similar elite clubs um, on this podcast. And um, uh, Scott and I at Miriam, Brendan Walsh at the Country Club, um, Jeff Kitty at Aronimink, a number of others. And um, almost all of them sort of had various routes they got to, um, or, or paths, I should say, they followed before they ended up at their present club. But David kind of started at the top and never left. Um, so obviously a great credit to him and the uh, tremendous job he's done at Ridgewood and, and how fond, obviously, the membership is of him. Um, so uh, we talk about his um, his journey from uh, starting um, his interest in golf in upstate New York in the Rochester area where he grew up and um, talk about his uh, many experiences at um, Ridgewood and also his thoughts generally on uh, the club uh, pro profession these days. So up next on this edition of Larry the Golf Guy, David Reisner from Ridgewood Country Club. Well, welcome to another edition of Larry the Golf Guy. And uh, it's our great pleasure today to welcome to the program David Reisner, who is uh, the longtime head pro at Ridgewood Country Club in um, northern New Jersey. David, thank you so much for making the time to uh, speak with us today. My pleasure, Larry. Thanks for having me here. Um, so just to sort of get started and, and give people a little bit of background for you, let's maybe kind of go back to the beginning. I, I understand you grew up in the Rochester area and um, not surprisingly growing up in, in, in that part, even though there's a great golf history there. I, I understand you kind of originally had a love for hockey. Of course, I know your older brother, Marty, had a quite a long, terrific career as a professional hockey player in the NHL. So uh, curious, kind of starting from a love of hockey, how did you first get introduced to golf? Yeah, golf in Rochester, New York, even though it's an incredible golfing town, it's, you know, the season's all of three, three and a half months between snowfall. Right. Um, so it was, it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible golfing town, but I did, you know, because the long winters got into hockey, my father was a hockey player. And uh, both my, I, I'm in the middle of three boys. So, um, you know, being the middle guy kind of went my other direct, another direction. I, I graduated from a high school that um, was very small. So we barely had a football team, let alone a hockey team. So in order to continue to play, uh, we had to go away to uh, a private school. So, uh, and at the time I just made the decision to, to give it up. And we were playing hockey year round, really at that level. Wow. Wow. So it freed up my summers. And uh, so I picked up golf and that's kind of how it, how it all happened. Uh, did you have sort of a, a particular coach or who kind of taught you the game originally? Uh, pretty self-taught, to be honest. We, wow. uh, I had a buddy that played quite a bit and 
we were in this, I remember we we're in seventh grade and he said, you know, look at this flyer. It's just free golf tryouts or for the varsity golf team. And I said, well, we're in seventh grade. They'll take anybody. I said, all right, well, let's go play three, three rounds of golf, nine holes for free. So that's kind of, <laughs> I think I'd played on a golf course once or twice prior to that. Wow. But the coach at the time saw some potential, I guess. I stole my dad's clubs and ran up there and, and played, uh, played in the tryout and uh, had a great time and uh, ended up making the varsity team as a seventh grader. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So the coach was, uh, you know, I think my scores were something like 58, 52, 48. So I said, she's like, well, well, you're getting better every day. So I've I just started playing the game. So uh, that's kind of how I, it kicked off the my golfing career. That's amazing. Did you end up, uh, so you played for your school team. Did you end up playing much junior golf in the area, but you know, as a, as a, when you were in high school and stuff? Yeah, we, we had, we had some junior stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't like it is today with AJGA and, you yeah. know, where, where I was from and, uh, we, we didn't really have, we didn't have the funding to travel and, um, to, right. to many major events. And, and I wasn't sure if golf was kind of like my thing and I wasn't really trying to, you know, compete. Um, it was just really fun to play and I enjoyed playing on the high school team and, you know, I think I made it to the States and stuff like that, but, um, it wasn't a high priority for me. And, um, so I didn't play a whole lot of junior events. Uh, I played a little bit more my junior and senior year of high school. You know, I qualified for a couple bigger tournaments, and but uh, and that's really that's really how it started. Wow, interesting. Okay, so then from there, I know you went on to Penn State, and we'll, we can talk about their the tremendous PGA Golf Management Program that, of course, Penn State has. It you were a part of, but, um, did, did you play at all on, on the team in college or, or what was it all? So, uh, the, the team, the team itself is, um, yeah, I think it's still this way. So going to Penn State, I knew I wanted to be a golf professional. Um, but I also wanted to continue to play and the coach did not want PGM students on his team. Interesting. Um, okay. For the reason that, um, and he was pretty open about it because he, he recruited a player that I beat four times in high school. And so he was actually on the team. I was off the team. Um, but long story short is that uh, I ended up walking on, doing a walk-on tryout. And uh, I played very well over two days there and um, beat 90% of his current team. But it, he wasn't going to take a PGM student for the reasons that we were required to go on internship every summer and work in the golf business rather than he wanted us. He wanted his players to be traveling and working on their games all summer, which I, I do understand that. But, you know, again, the game's black and white, right? I don't care if you're six foot six or five yeah. foot two, yeah. 120 pounds or 320 pounds. It's a, it's a number, right? It totally so, um, so, so the, the, the short answer is no, I did not play on the Penn state golf team, but I, uh, I was in the golf management program, which is the entire reason I was there. Yeah. So let's, so, so let's talk about it. So you, so when you went there, you would, by that point, just your, your graduate from high school going to college at that point, you knew that you wanted to make golf your career. It sounds like. Yeah. I just, you know, it was one of those things that when I was in high school, 17 year old kid, do you really know what you want to do with the rest of your life? Um, <laughs> no. I don't think do, but I, I, I grown, you know, I grew to love the game of golf and I realized that there was a, a possible career in, in a business 
in golf. And um, I thought, well, we're going to go into accounting or something. I said, this sounds great. Let's, let's go for this. Right, um, right. That's how it started. And I didn't really know much about the business. I'd worked uh, at, a, at a local country club in the back room um, kind of for so I could play a little bit at the course. So I had a somewhat of an understanding of what went on. But, um, yeah, I, I kind of fell into it. And it, um, I realized that this is incredible. You can have, you know, you can truly have a career in what you're passionate about. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk a little about the Penn State program. Maybe you can talk a little bit about it. I know we had Sean Palmer of the Union League um, on a month or two ago. He's another Penn State grad of that program. And it, it sounds like just a phenomenal program. What was that like? But Penn State does an incredible job, and, and most of the PGM schools are doing an incredible job. It's a it's a small community of golf professionals. I mean, Penn State's fifty thousand kids, but we're we're two hundred kids on campus that um, that are in this major, and it, the the faculty there, and it, it's just a, a great experience. They help you kind of understand what the business is all about. Also, taking general education courses through the, through the college, but. Um, it's specific to become a golf professional and or a teaching professional. Um, and it, it's just, it was fantastic being able to go to school and being surrounded by such an incredible network, especially, you know, the golf business is a small network as a, as a whole. Um, and then having that Penn state connection was even better. So it, it, it was incredible. Yeah, it sounds like it. So, um, I love this story. Maybe you could share about your summer internship, um, and if I'm getting my facts right, I think you made an alphabetical list of clubs in the New York City area and you were driving, A, it was the beginning of the alphabet, you're driving to Arcola and you sort of come across Ridgewood. Maybe talk about that. It's a great story. Wow. I, you, you did some homework. <laughs> uh, yeah, that story is not told a whole lot. But uh, yeah, my older brother was, uh, as you said earlier, he was playing in the NHL. And I was a sophomore at Penn State. I went home for my first internship back to the course that I was working at. And uh, girlfriend at the time was living in New York City. So I knew I wanted to be in and around New York City. It always starts with that story. It started with a girlfriend, right? right um, exactly. <laughs> so I followed her to New York. She was living in New York at the time. And I was just kind of looking for clubs. And in Rochester, you know, this was December 23rd. And Rochester golf course is closed November 15th because it's usually right, six right. or eight, no on the ground. So sure. I thought, and way back when, uh, there was an email, this was 1998. Sure. So there was yeah. an email or anything like that. So yeah. I had a plan that I was, my brother was playing against the Islanders and then the next day he was playing against the Devils. So I'm like, all right, this is perfect. I'm gonna go watch the two games. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to drive around and check out some country clubs in the Northern New Jersey area. And so I just kind of made a list and uh, took out a map, you know, and, and said, all right, I'm going to drop. I was figuring I was just going to drop resumes and mailboxes and, and then, you know, cross your fingers and hope you get a phone call back. Right. Um, so I started on, and as you said, Arcola Country Club was, I, I alphabetized it for whatever reason. So here's where I'm going to go. <laughs> Starting with this one. And Ridgewood was on that list. And as I'm driving to Arcola to drop off the resume, I see a little sign on Midland Avenue and um, for the Ridgewood Country Club. So I made the left in there. So all right, this was on the list. I'm going to drive in here. I pulled in, you know, from where, I, where I'm from in Rochester, this is the most beautiful building I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, it's and, a gorgeous uh, clubhouse. Yeah, place is amazing. And I pulled in and everyone was still here. They were here, uh, you know, finishing their holiday sales and the golf professional Bill Adams was here. 
the system professionals, Tom Flat, Jeff Maines were working the shop. And I just walked in and uh, I walked out of there 10 minutes later with a with an internship for the summer. Wow. <laughs> and that was it. Um, and honestly, I haven't left since. So it's just amazing. And and you know, I don't know the I mean, I grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut, so I know the Northeast a little bit. I don't know the uh, geography of northern New Jersey great, although my brother-in-law lives in Upper Montclair, so I know it a little bit, but but I, I just, I left because I was looking at the U.S. Amateur, which of course you guys just had this last summer, and I saw that that was the other stroke play course for qualifying right. with our cold. so I know they have to be pretty close to each other. <laughs> yeah, we're, they're two minutes down the road. Two minutes. I wasn't far off. I wasn't far off. I was close. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. So, so you, so I was just amazed. So you're, so, so you get your internship there and then you graduate, you go, you just keep working there full time then after you graduate from Penn state, is that kind of how it went? So I did a three month internship working outside, um, yeah. basically picking up range balls on the range, carts, bag room, whatever else. And, um, after that, after that summer, the professional Bill Adams, um, said, Hey, we'd love to have you come back for a six month work in the golf shop as an assistant. So I, I, uh, I agreed to do that. So I finished my junior year of college, the classwork yeah. and came back as a six month. And I, um, I finished my schoolwork early at Penn state. Uh, looking back at that, I'm like, I'm, I, why would I do that? But I finished, <laughs> I, it's, it saved, uh, saved some cash is what it did. Yeah, uh, sure. So I finished my schoolwork in three years at Penn state and then wow. came back to Ridgewood, uh, as a, as a six month intern. And so because I finished the schoolwork that I, I went down uh, south that winter and okay. worked at um, the Grand Cypress Academy of Golf. Oh, yeah, sure. In Orlando. Right. Yeah. yeah. At the time, I, w I thought I wanted to be an instructor. Um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I thought, you know, let's try this teaching thing. So I went to Grand Cypress, worked for a guy named Fred Griffin there, who's yeah. incredible and, yeah. you know, top instructor in the country. And you know, spend a lot of time with him on the range, researching golf swings. And it was about three, three weeks into that event where I said, you know what, standing out on the range for nine, 10 hours a day in the, in the sun, like just beating <laughs> down on you. I think I need more variety in my life here. So yeah. I realized, all right, you know, I love to teach. I still love to teach, but I couldn't do it full time. So I finished that internship, came back to Ridgewood again. I was asked to come back as an assistant professional, did another six months. And then I ended up going on to the Bears Club in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, worked for oh, a couple okay. named Eric Bayou. Yeah. Um, so I spent a winter down there and then ended up coming back to Ridgewood. And when I came back, um, the professional, I'll give you the full story. This, this yeah, is I, I absolutely. Please do. I'll, I'll give you the full run because this is a pretty funny story. Yeah. Please. Uh, I got my class A membership to PGA at that time. Okay. And I was uh, 21 or 22 years old. And <laughs> a job opened up down the street from Ridgewood at Glen Ridge country club. Okay. So I applied for the position. I said, my resume looks pretty good. I got Ridgewood on there. I got yeah. the job down at Orlando. I'm now at the bears club and made some great yeah. networking, you know? And so I said, I'm going to throw my name in the hat and just, just for the experience, not thinking anything of it. So I put my name in the hat and about three weeks later in the golf shop, I answered the phone. It was a selection chairman from Glen Ridge. Wow. Okay. And so, he, he asked for Bill Adams, who was the pro at Ridgewood. And so I, uh, I said, I went to Bill's office and say, Bill, this guy, you know, he's a selection chairman at the club. I said, I, you know, submitted my resume. He knew I did. And I said, you know, this is for reference call. He goes, okay, great. Send him back. 
what I didn't know, Bill said, well, tell me a little bit about this job. And so long story short, Bill ends up taking the job at Glen Ridge. And oh, signs a, wow. Wow. Signs a 10-year contract. Um, Bill was wow. Bill had been at Ridgewood for 27 years and was kind of looking for something a little slower, smaller membership, not yeah. as many events. And I'm not going to call it a retirement program, but he just wanted to kind of downshift a little bit. Sure, sure. And so Bill ends up taking that job, and which which left the opening at Ridgewood, and you know, and here we are, 23 years later, or whatever it's been. Um, that's how the whole thing worked. And then wow. I, I went in and was the interim head pro for a year, and then the club did a national search with another with another uh, with one other um, person that had been here much longer than I have, but they did a national search and. Uh, I interviewed for the job and ended up getting the job that fall. So things happen quickly. They really did. Cause I, I mean, that was, and I'm, I'm glad you told that backstory. And, and this is one aspect in, in looking through and learning about your career that I thought was really amazing. I mean, you, you, we, we've had on the program, lots of your colleagues from across the country, you know, Scott and I, you know, I mean, it, uh, Brendan Walsh from the country club, you know, lots of your, great colleagues, um, and almost all of them, you know, they're at clubs today, like Ridgewood, you know, elite clubs, you know, old USGA tournaments and, and et cetera. And almost all of them sort of had a path where they went to different, you know, clubs before they got to the level of, you know, you know, a Miriam, a, a, a country, the country club or, you know, or Ridgewood and stuff. And so it's fascinating to me. So you're, tw- but, but for you, you're 23 years old. They do a national search exactly as I'd expect the club of Ridgewood's caliber to do a national search and you get it. I mean, it's, yeah. um, it's kind of, I mean, a testament to you, obviously, but really remarkable. Know that at, at age 23, you're taking the head job at such an illustrious club, right? Yeah, I was actually 22 or 22 even. Okay, even better. It was, um, yeah, the club, obviously the club took a chance, you know, but I also looked at that year as it was a one year interview or at least a season. I had to, when you were interim for the year, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I had to prove myself. So every day I looked at it, like I'm going to get up and I'm interviewing every day and I'm going to work at this to prove that I can do this regardless of age, you know, or experience to be honest. But um, it was, uh, it, it it all worked out. And, um, you know, like Brendan Walsh, he worked here as an assistant pro a long time ago. Right. Uh, I, that's why I mentioned him. I know that was yeah, one of his stops on the road to Brookline. Uh, yeah. The, uh, you know, it, the, the history of the golf professional here at Ridgewood and, and something I had in my favor at that time was they, they hold on to their golf professional for a long time. So I'm the fourth golf professional in the history of the club. So it's one of those that, um, you know, I was kind of like, get me young here so we can, we can continue this tradition. And uh, it, everything, everything kind of worked out, but it, it's a testament to the membership. It's a testament to the history and the tradition of this club. And um, it says a lot about the membership that, you know, they, they have that consistency in their golf professional. Absolutely does. In fact, I'm, I, I, I'm glad you, I was just about to mention that. I mean, they, as, as old as the club is, you're the only the fourth, which is amazing. And uh, I know one of your predecessors were there 50 years. I don't know if you're going to go for that record or not. Is it George, George uh, Jacobus? I mean, 50 years uh, that he was pro. I mean, that's that's holding on to your professionals, right? Yeah, he he uh, he was the first he was the first American born president of the PGA of America. He brought the Ryder Cup here. Uh, George has an incredible story um, as a professional at Ridgewood. But 
I did lie about my age though for a while. I, I never told anybody how old I was. Even, <laughs> even though I was 22, I looked like I was 12 at the time, but they still, uh, somehow I fooled them enough. Well, you've obviously done great there. And maybe just kind of turning a little bit to the to the history um, that you kind of alluded to. Of course, I mean, the club dates back to 1890, uh, but I think you know, the Tillinghast masterpiece that we have today was built in the late 20s, I think in 29. Um, and it is an incredible history. I mean, including talking about history, Byron Nelson um, was an assistant way back when for a couple of years. And although he was young, I think it was 35 and 36, 1935 and 36. So he was in his early 20s when he was an assistant there. Kind of same age you were actually when you became head pro. Um, I know he sort of maintained a, a lifelong association with the club. Did you by chance ever get a chance to meet him at all or or? Unfortunately, I did not get a chance to meet Byron in person. Um, I spoke to him on the phone a couple times, and um, but he he loved Ridgewood. We have videos of Byron um, talking about his time at Ridgewood um, in our in our archives. Uh, the, the story of him hitting the flagpole. I'm not sure if you're aware of that story. Yeah, the he, three I write. They made that. So I did see that he made a bet. Maybe go ahead. I'll let you tell the story because that's a great story. I love that. So uh, 19, uh, 1935. In 1936, Byron obviously was an assistant here. Um, George Jacobus met him at the Masters tournament and brought him up. And um, so he, he was an assistant here for those two years. And during that time, he was working on his game and hitting some balls. He was walking back from uh, the driving range at the time. And a couple of the caddies said, hey, Byron, how are you hitting it today? And he said, you know what, guys? I don't think I've ever hit it better than this. And I said, oh, yeah, well, let's – let's." Uh, and this is all from, this is all from the, the, the tape that – that Byron had, we have in the archive. Byron said, yeah, I was, I was really hitting it good that day. So he goes, I bet him. He said, so they said, all right, three, three golf balls off the slate. You have to hit the flagpole in three shots. And he said, all right. So they said, well, how much money you got? Byron So they had 55 cents at the time. So that was the bet. And um, he hits his first shot and the flagpole is right outside of the golf shop. And it's about, it's about 94 yards away. Okay. And so Byron, Byron hits a three iron. And he just misses the flagpole left. And he looks at the caddies and he goes, you know, guys, I've been working on my alignment all day. He's like, he, he said he made a little adjustment. And then the next one hit the center of the flagpole about three quarters of the way up and just you know, exploded the flagpole. And he scooped up his money and away he went. That's so great. Um, so we still we do a lot of events like our member guests and stuff like that. We'll do that. Hit the flagpole challenge. We did it for the U we did it for all the U.S. amateur participants this year. Oh, fun. Um, yeah. So it's. Uh, it's been a fun tradition to carry forward. Uh, that's awesome. So, um, you know, I want to talk to you about some of the tournaments that have been held there and kind of the routing changes you ended up making. So just, you mentioned the Ryder cup in 1935, you guys had the U S amateur, the Jerry, a lot, some great champions here, the 74 U S amateur, Jerry Pate. Um, you had the LPGA tournament in the early eighties, Kathy Whitworth, you know, hall of famer won that. I still remember the 1990 U.S. Senior Open. I remember watching that on TV because that was Jack and and uh, Trevino were first year they were eligible, and I, yeah, I, I remember Jack missing that putt on um, 17, and and Trevino was in the um, uh, in the uh, TV booth. He had finished earlier, and and um, you know he kept and and you know Jack just Jack never missed a putt like that. He missed a short putt for birdie and won, and then you had the senior PGA that Watson won, but um, kind of fast forwarding through all those to 2008 is sort of when I think, you know, the, the PGA tour was going to come and 
course, Ridgewood has 27 holes and, you know, the PGA, um, the regular PGA tour, you're interested in getting something that has the right length and stuff. So you ended up creating an 18 hole tournament course among the, from the, among the 27 holes, right? Um, we did. So, were, were, so were you involved in that? What was that kind of like? That must've been kind of fun oh. to try to sculpt that together. Oh, I was, it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, we went out and, um, my superintendent Todd Rash and I, uh, had a game plan that, uh, we were looking at a couple different events, um, a couple of other championships we were looking at, um, chatting with about hosting and PGA tour came knocking when this FedEx cup program, the playoffs first right. kicked off in 2008. That was the first year of the FedEx cup playoffs. And so we had to create a yardage. You know, our normal yardage is, uh, you can, you can maybe stretch to 71 or right now you can probably stretch to 72, but we, we wanted to get to 74, 7,500. Right. Uh, to, so the tour guys could to go out there and play. And so we created a routing and the, it, it took us, we thought we had it perfect. And then the tour came out and they didn't like that the, the, where the 10th tee was, cause it's a, it's a one in 10 start. So we, we had to juggle, juggle some things around and, and we ended up, in 2008, we played the 10th hole as, uh, which is a, a different routing, a par three, which is our six east. So what was that first 2008 event um, with the routing? We played it a different, it's the same golf holes, different routing in 2008 that we have now, which is considered our championship course. We then went back and said, you know what, this was, you know, this is two days of golf one in 10 stars. So what if we did a nine, nine, ninth tee start? Right. And so that's what changed it. That's what triggered our new rotation, which also puts the five and dime hole on the back nine. So I said for any match play we host going forward, having that short par four, uh, which is, you know, for those that don't know, it's 280, 290 yard par four uphill to a tiny little green, but it's a true risk reward hole. So in a match play event, it is an incredible hole to have on the back nine. Um, so we changed the same golf hole, just changed the routing a little bit from 2008. And that is now our championship course. So it's uh, it was a long four or five hour drive with PJ Tour to figure all that out. But it, it worked out really well. And so that's the course we play now. We played it in 2010 and uh, 2010, 2014, 2018 were all PJ Tour FedEx Cup events. And then U.S. Amateur um, we also played the U S girls junior event in 2016 on that, that golf course as well. So, oh, okay. Cool. And the U S this year. So it, it really worked out well. And, uh, it was fun to, to put that thing together. I bet. And, and, um, you mentioned the five and dime hole. I mean, one of the great short par fours, drivable par fours, it kind of in the class of, you know, I mean, I've the 10th of Riviera is only a few hundred yards from where my house is here, uh, in Los Angeles is a great one ninth at Cypress and um you know it's in that category and it's it's fun to watch the pros do that I guess the five and dime is is I understand you know that was Byron saying hit a five iron and the dime being the pitching wedge I guess back then is the play to do it um is that that's where the name comes from I think and it's but it's it's interesting to watch the way the pros attack it because it's such a I've obviously never played it but just looking on tv it seems like it's such a narrow green and it looks like it's at an angle. And I mean, God help you if you go for that green and miss it on one of the sides there, it looks like that uh, could be a tall order, right? Yeah. So actually Tillinghast named the hole five and dime for, because back, back then they, there wasn't a pitching wedge. It was a 10 iron, 10 iron. Okay. Yeah. 
it was a five iron, 10 iron was his reasoning for the hole. And then a lot of people think it's because you either make a five or a 10 on the hole. Uh, <laughs> as you said, and, and like, like the 10th at Riviera, like if you get yourself on the wrong side, <clears throat> you could ping pong it back and forth, you know, because the it's, it's very well bunk bunkered plateau green that it just can lead to some huge numbers if, uh, if you get yourself short sided, but uh, it's a really fun hole and a true risk reward. And, one of one of Tilly's best short short fours for sure. Yeah, for sure. So just sticking with the course a little bit, I think I, if, Gil Hans, of course, is so much you know in the news these in the golf news these days. I mean, he's sort of you know a, not just a great architect, but particularly a great restorer of the classic courses. I mean, we have the U.S. Open coming out uh, to Los Angeles next year, and he did great work at LA Country Club. Um, did great. We mentioned Brendan Welch and, and, and the country club in Brookline worked there. He seems like Miriam, I mentioned Scott and I, he seems like he's been everywhere. And, and yeah. I think he's been at your place as well, right? For quite a while, at least as a consulting architect or some involvement, what's that been like? I assume you've gotten to know him a little bit. Oh yeah. Gil's a, Gil's a great, he's a great human being. He's a, a lovely guy. Um, incredibly intelligent in what he does. And uh, we, we actually hired Gil in 1995. Oh, uh, early. Boy, that's way early. To restore our short game area. We have a small okay. little short, short hole uh, practice facility area. And so he did that in 95. And then we brought him back in 2003 when I, I uh, first got signed on here to do a, a complete master plan of the golf course. And so that was a 15-year project that went on through 2018 that we chipped away at. And so he put a master plan together for us and it's just been incredible. And it just, he, he you know, checks in and uh, he actually just, we just redid that short game area into a five hole short course. Oh, nice. Uh, nice. And, and he did that for us as well. So we, we redesigned our driving range just this past year with new target greens and expanded tee box. And then he just finished the, you know, it's almost like a mini mini cradle where it has, you know, five, it's a short game area, but it has five little par threes in there. Um, so he just did that for us. So our relationship with Gil has been tremendous. You know, he's, he's the best in the business and, um, you know, he deserves a lot of credit for what, what he did here originally. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. So you, you know, looking back, you've been, you know, the head pro there for, for your whole career, uh, quite a while. What's it been like being head pro there? I mean, it's a big place. It's 27 holes, big membership, lots of things to do. I mean, kind of um, what, what's it, what's it been like for you there overall? It, the club is incredible. You know, it's it, Tilling has to the golf course. It's a as you know, us amateur, the, the events that we've hosted the PGA tour, it's a championship golf course, but you know, I would say that Wingfoot golf club, 36 hole, AW Tilling has design golf club. You got Baltusrol that is 30 minutes south of us. Wingfoot's 30 minutes north of us. AW Tillinghast Championship Golf Club. We're 27 hole AW Tillinghast Country Club. So it's just different. You know, we have 280 kids in our junior golf program. Wow. We have a wow. huge women's program. Um, and it's it's a it's a town club. It's a, it's really a fun place to be. The membership's been incredible, um, and the the golf courses. You know that that's uh, the golf courses. You know, I think it's underrated. It's incredible how good the golf course is. But the membership's been great. The job's been great. I've really enjoyed it. Um, 
you know, we don't have a general manager here at the club. It's a different, unique. Uh, oh, really? That's interesting. Program. Yeah. So we have across the top, our, my golf course superintendent or golf course superintendent, myself, our food and beverage director and our controller kind of run the program and we direct report to the board. So we don't have a general manager, but we all kind of stay in our lane and do our job and, and everything works out great. Um, it's been fun to watch evolve. When I first got here, it was more of a men's championship type golf course where you know, junior golf, you know, they could play after five o'clock, you know, right. or they could hit right. after three and, you know, nobody was swimming in the pool at the time. And, you know, I, I said, we just redid a renovation of the back of the clubhouse and we, we redid the pool and, and I just kind of shook my head and said, wow, how far we've come. We have a kiddie pool. Wow. Wow. Um, which just say a lot and we have no restrictions on junior golf whatsoever. So really? regardless, that's impressive. That's great. The board has been very much supportive of the, the push to continue, you know, what, you know, that's the next generation, the golfer, next generation of our membership is our junior golf program. So, they open the doors and um, the juniors, you know, can play golf on the golf course. There's as long as they have the ability and kind of pass our a couple of tests we have, doesn't sure. matter what, what age it's more about ability and maturity and they can go out there and play and, and hit balls on a Saturday morning if they want to. And um, I use that example at the board level when I was trying to pass this through the board. So like if you couldn't hit balls here until you were six till five years old, you couldn't even go on the driving range until you're five. The Tiger Woods was on Johnny Carson at two and a half. That's right. Exactly. Tiger Woods couldn't hit golf balls until he was five years old. Yeah. Where would he be? Who, who, you know, what would have, what would have done? So how many of those people that have we missed over the years that, you know, may have gone to play lacrosse or some other sport because they couldn't come out. And so that's, it's really changed the mentality. We have some incredible events. We do a, a bass and birdies event, very family friendly where we play nine holes of par three golf. We create nine, nine par threes. And then we fish for 45 minutes and you deduct the number of fish you catch from your golf score. And it's a big family event. So it's, wow. it's a, it's a fun place, a uh, great place to work. My staff here has been incredible and um, it's really been great. And the, and the club's really supportive. So it's been That's fun. fantastic. And, and speaking of the staff, I mean, and, and, and your assistants, and I know um, people listening to this are just listening to the audio, but um, David and I are on video and I can see in the background, the list of all the assistants. And, you know, we should point out you were the 2019 Strasbourg award winner, um, which is quite a honor national award. The PGA gives for mentoring, um, we had Larry Dornish on a few months ago, who I think won it from Muirfield Village the year after you. Maybe talk briefly what what's that's like, and and that must be super gratifying to you because you obviously have done a great job mentoring a lot of people over the years. Yeah, that's it, it was. Um, I was blown away by that award. It uh, it's truly meaningful, um, and it, it was an honor. Um, but that that's my passion right now, and and it has been, and. Uh, you know, I, I love the job. I love to see my assistant professionals grow as professionals and grow into the business. And um, it's just the small things, you know, they, they, when they, we call it leaving the nest, they come in, we polish them up, we send them out. Um, <laughs> that's cool. um, and it's, it's really been fun to watch and watch every single one of them grow. And, you know, whether that's buy a car, buy a home, you know, have enough money to, to go get married, stuff like that. It's just, sure. Uh, sure. It's it's the the feeling and you get from that is um, it's truly rewarding and 
And I, and that's what we're all about. You know, I, I'll say that any golf professionals listening to this great golf professionals, create golf professionals. Um, and it's really important to, to take the time to, um, to put your time into their growth because that's what this is all about. It's, it's really, uh, you know, it's giving back and it's, it's, it's been fun. It's really, it's, it's been great. So, um, the most rewarding thing that I've done. That that's awesome. And, and just about the profession, maybe we'll touch on for a minute or two. I mean, I'm sure you saw the golf digest article, um, earlier this year that kind of, um, got a lot of play in the golf world and kind of painted somewhat of a dark picture of the profession. And, um, uh, and I'm, I'm just curious from where you sit and having mentored all these people and your experience and stuff, kind of how you sort of see the profession and, and, and maybe what advice you'd give to someone who wants to, you know, be a club professional. Well, yeah, that, that article was pretty dark and, um, but it also, the good days outweigh the bad. They really do. And it's tough. I have a three-year-old son at home. Um, I have two daughters, I, you know, married. It's, it's tough to juggle. It really yeah. is, but you gotta love what you do. Um, I have an incredible job. I have a passion for it. Um, do you put long hours in? Yeah, you, you certainly do. Do you do that with every job you're going to be successful in outside the golf business as well? If you want to be successful? Yes. Um, I think awareness is growing. That article did help that a little bit where there's yeah. awareness of business to say, listen, you know, maybe we can do it a little different. You know, I say golf business is sometimes about 10 years behind. Um, we can do things different. So we're looking at ways, you know, we're, we're most likely going to go to do a five day work week here at Ridgewood. And mm. that's rare. We're, we're six days. We have winter, we have the winter months to kind of recharge, but right. you know, I challenged my staff to say, all right, let's go to, we're going to go to five. If you really want to go to five, let's go to five. But how do we make it work? You get right. back to me with a game plan as to how you want to make this work. Make sure communication doesn't fail. Nothing slips through the cracks. And if you can have a better quality of life and our product continues to grow and get better, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, but what I would say to those that are entering the business is this is it's a great time to get into golf. The, the game's growing. Junior golf is growing. Um PG of America is rolling out a deferred compensation program for PGA professionals, which is that wonderful. Is yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, There's it, totally. very, few, very few associations or industries, um, professions that offer that right now. Um, and if, you know, we're the largest, largest sports association in the world. And if we can have a deferred compensation program, I, it just, there's a, where there's a light at the end of the tunnel and, you know, helps people get through, um, I think it's going to be a very sought after profession. It should be because it's, it's incredible. Look what we do every day. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's ups and downs. Don't get me wrong. You're dealing with, I'm dealing with 750 personalities at the club, right? <laughs> right. Everyone's flawed. But it's the day to day. And what you don't hear about and see is the experiences of meeting people. Um, the, what, what I, what I get out of the relationships that I've created with the memberships and the staff, the travel, you know, golf will take you to the greatest places in the world. It really was. I uh, had some friends that had kids that were uh, basketball players. <laughs> I always say, you know what the sad part of basketball is? If you want to play the most competitive basketball, you're probably going to some not so great places Yeah. to play competitive basketball. Right. Golf takes you to the most beautiful places in the world. It truly does. And it's a great yeah. game and you can play your whole life. And, um, and if you can create a, you know, if you can get into the industry and want to be in the business, like 
what better thing to do? It's really incredible. And I think there's a huge opportunity for the next generation of golf professional. Um, Cause there, you know, after 2008, there was a little bit of a fall off and there's a trend that people are not getting in this business, but there will be a lot of great jobs open here in the near future. And um, right now that, that pool for those jobs is pretty shallow. We right. can back. We, you'd have some great opportunities and, and the conversation's growing and, and, you know, quality of life's getting better. You know, that work-life balance is, is definitely getting better. And uh, all I can say, it's, it's, it's an incredible industry. It's an incredible profession. The association is, um, it's, I, I know nothing else to be honest, but it's, uh, it's been great. It really has. So I'd encourage anybody to, to, to at least try it, get into it, talk to a PGA professional about what they do day to day. And uh, I think you have a lot of people that may jump on board. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I'm just curious, thinking about the association, and, and and have you had a chance to go to the new facility in Texas yet at all? I I have not. I'm going to be there on Sunday, though. I'm oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so I'll get to take, take a look. It looks great. I've heard incredible things. So yeah, I've talked to um, uh, some folks out here in the section who've been there, and it, it and 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 of course, I've seen the pictures as everyone else has. It, it does look great. Let me ask you one final thing. I'll get you out of here on this. I got to ask you about your game. Um, so are you, you got so many um, things that uh, balls in the air with the type of job you have at at a place like Ridgewood. Um, are you able to play much either competitively or in the section events? And I do see, I, I saw a few things online. So I, it sounds like you're keeping your game uh, in order, but I'm just curious, you get the time to sort of play much and what's that been like? Yeah. yeah I try to play a lot. You know, I try to set the example to get out there and play with a membership and compete. I still love to compete. Um, you know, I've, uh, I made it into the, the fall finale this year in our section. So we oh, have great. Good have, for you. So, I finished, I think, 20th on the, the player, the 25th on the players list. Um, so it's fun. I, I, uh, I try to play with the members at least once a week um, and then, you know, get out and play, you know, with my staff and everything. And, and I, we actually schedule uh, play days for the staff. So they're actually playing. Oh, that's you know, great. That's good. You know, they, they know they know they're going to get out there and play. And um, and it's, it's the best way to get to know the membership and really enjoy, you know, um, the golf course and. So yeah, I try to play as much as I can. Good for you. I'm glad to hear it. Hey, David, this has been great. Um, I really appreciate the time. Um, it's a fantastic club to be sure. Um, and um, and yeah, in the clubhouse, and and I know you guys, you know, respect the history of the place as well and everything. And it it's a wonderful club. And um, you've had an incredible career. Um, all at, you know, from right from the beginning at an elite place yeah. like uh, Ridgewood, which is impressive. Um, I really appreciate the time today. Thank you so much. Larry, thank you for having me. My pleasure.